Is God sovereign? Yes. But in his sovereignty, he chose to partner with us. And so what's the point of praying if nothing changes? Right? And so here's the God that's all powerful, that's all knowing. And yet he still said, hey, look, whatever you ask, guess what? I'll do it. He, 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 there was an exchange there that he said, look, in other words, I so long for a relationship with you. I want to do this with you. I want to rule and reign this kingdom with you. And so I want you to be a part. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at The Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, The Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. All right. So listen, as you, most of you guys know, we're in, we're in day seven of our fast. And if you want, want to figure out what that is, go online, theanchor.me, click on the basics of fasting, and you can kind of see where we're at. But uh, we're day seven. And I want you to know that, you know, actually, uh, last week I heard so many cool things happening, like immediately as people started praying. You know, I know as far as for me and my family, what was pretty cool, I actually woke up Monday morning knowing we're going to start the fast, and I got a call from my brother. I called my brother. My brother makes me look really, really little. He's a big old boy, a big old country boy, strong as an ox. And, uh, I, and I actually FaceTime him. I'm still sitting in bed, and here's this guy that looks like a big old Viking with a massive beard, and he's just crying. Here's my brother that, that uh, I don't know, probably about... Eight years ago, had an encounter with God, walked with God for a bit, was in a church that fell apart, and he just got hurt, and he left God, left the church, went away. And uh, on Monday, man, my brother had a collision with God, and God won. And, and so, uh, pretty cool. God's doing his thing. And so, I just want to encourage you guys to kind of keep, keep praying, keep believing, keep fasting, and let's go for this. So anyways, all right, let's get in. So for the past week or so, I've been feeling like I need to share a few scriptures with you guys that, uh, you know, kind of bring some context to what we are doing as we are fasting and praying, not only individually, but also corporately. And I just want to share those verses with you this morning. And this will definitely be more of a family type of setting, and it will be challenging. Some of this will not be easy to hear. But I believe as we go through these, these verses that we'll not only gain greater clarity of our mission and our purpose of why we're doing what we're doing, but also believe that God's going to infuse us uh, with a, some fresh motivation to pray. Yes, and, and the truth is, if I can be really, really honest with you, I think as a church as a whole, this is our greatest weakness. Okay, and, and I'm not, now listen to me, I'm not talking about church worldwide, I'm talking about the anchor church. This is our greatest weakness, is prayer. And, and so, you know, a prayerless church will be a powerless church. Amen. And so my, my hope is, is that somehow, look, you, you know, I, I've been walking with God long enough to know that you can't beat people into praying. Uh, you, can't, you can't get mad at them. You can't force them. Somewhere along the line, they've they got to have something ignited in their own heart to want to get down and dirty and get to business with God. Right. And, and so uh, my prayer is, is that uh, kind of in the combination of all this time, fear, uh, prayer and fasting, that, that something's going to ignite in our hearts. Yes. You, you know, I'm personally convicted by an old quote that I heard years ago by Samuel Chadwick, an old uh, minister many, many years ago. But he said this. He said, brethren, the, he said, the brethren, the uh, crying sin of the church, in other words, the biggest sin of the church is her laziness after God. 
It's so true, right? And so, anyways, with kind of with that in mind, let's pray and then we'll, we'll jump in here. So, Father, thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for your word, God, that's alive and powerful. God, and it's still sharper than a two-edged sword. And, Lord, we just ask today that that word would come and it would cut away every bit of our flesh today. And, uh, Lord, that it would speak life to our spirit, man. And, uh, Lord, that we would just... Uh, respond to you, respond to the call that you've sent out, God, to every person that's called by your name. And so, Holy Spirit, we so welcome you in this place to come and to change our lives, to do what you do best, and, uh, and just to teach. And, Lord, we just open up our hearts, we open our ears and our eyes to receive from heaven today. And, Lord, we just believe that when we leave out of here today that something will be different about us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, by a quick show of hands, how many of you guys are actually familiar with the word uh, intercession? Has anybody ever heard that word? Just kind of wave at me. Awesome. Good deal. Listen, in in my opinion, as believers, I personally think that sometimes we can make the mistake of viewing prayer and viewing intercession as the same thing, almost as if those two words are interchangeable. And and in some ways, that is the case, but, but all the time, that's really not the case. And I just simply maybe want to want to draw a line in it this way, and, I, and you know we'll throw up the next slide here. But basically, that all intercession is prayer, but not all prayer is intercession. That all intercession is prayer, but not all prayer is intercession. So kind of let me explain here. If you can kind of maybe imagine, like if, if God was standing here in front of us, and, and, uh, and we'll just say it this way, Noah Webster defined prayer like this, that, that if God is standing there, that it's the, that's the act of or the requesting uh, for a favor with earnestness. In other words, that we come to God and we make a request with earnest, earnestness for him to do something. But he also defined intercession like this. The intercession, if you can imagine, there's God and here's another person. The intercession has, is actually pleading in favor or pleading on behalf of another. So in other words, where this first one is just kind of me and God. And then the next one, when it comes to intercession, almost like I'm throwing my arm around somebody. And, and it's not me asking for a favor, but I'm asking for a favor for that individual. And I'm praying on the behalf of them that God would move. Does that make sense? You, you know, maybe, maybe it, a, the, a clearer definition is this, is where we actually get our English word, uh, about said American word, our English word, <laughs> that's bad, our English word for intercession actually comes from two Latin words, and it simply means this, to go between, to go between. So in other words, when we intercede, not just pray, but when we intercede, we're actually standing in between God and the person. We're standing between God and a, and a people group. We're standing between God and a situation, and we're praying for them. So let me give you a great picture of this. In fact, I think this may be the best example in the Bible of what it really means to to go between, okay? So this is Numbers chapter 16. I'm going to give you a lot more Bible today than I normally do, but just hang in there with me. Numbers 16. It says, But the very next morning the whole community of Israel began muttering against again against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the Lord's people. Let's stop right there. I want to give you kind of a context here. This blows my mind. I read this verse for the first time when I was 18 years old. So 22 years ago, I remember reading this and stopping right there and going, I don't get it. So so what happened the day before was uh, this guy named Korah and a few of his buddies basically got jealous of who Moses was and what Moses was doing for God, and they wanted in on the action, and basically uh, Moses said, all right, man, uh, show up tomorrow, and, and we'll see who, if God chooses you or God chooses me. And, uh, and they sit there and say, God, okay, am I right or are they right? Right, and, and what happened was the, the Bible says that the ground opened up and it swallowed Korah and his teammates, all 250 of them. 
and it closed back. Now, here's what blows my mind is this happened the next day. Now, and words pass around, how stupid can you be and still breathe, okay, <laughs> that if you saw the ground open up and swallow 250 people, you're going to come the next day and complain about something that it just doesn't make sense to me. Anyways, maybe that doesn't you either. All right, verse 42, here we go. It says, as the community gathered to protest against Moses and Aaron, watch what happened. They turned towards the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and saw that the cloud had covered it. In other words, God showed up again. And it says, and the glorious presence of the Lord appeared. In verse 43, it says, Moses and Aaron came and stood in front of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, remember, all these people are griping and complaining and hollering at Moses. And God said this, get away from all these people so I can instantly destroy them. So God's not playing games, right? It says, but Moses and Aaron fell down on the ground. In other words, they fell on their face. It's such a picture of intercession. And then it says in verse 46, and Moses said to Aaron, quick. Now, i got to stop there because to me this is hilarious. Uh, Moses is talking to a man that's over 100 years old, and he actually used the word quick. (laughs) So, He said, quick, take an incense burner and place burning coals on it from the altar. Lay incense on it and carry it out among the people to purify them and make them right with the Lord. It says the Lord's anger is blazing against them and the plague has already begun. So here's the picture I want you to grab. Is that basically, here's people, a massive crowd of people. They're griping and complaining. They're hollering at Moses. And and then uh, Moses falls on his face because God says he's going to kill him. And then he hollers at, at his boy Aaron and says, quick, go do this. And what happens is, is literally, if you can imagine, at the back of the crowd, people like Domino start dying. And while Aaron is trying to move quick, <laughs> they're dying. And, and so what happens is, is it comes down to verse 47, and it says, Aaron did as Moses told him, and the next great part, and he ran. <laughs> That's beautiful, right? Just imagine. All right, so anyways, that he ran out among the people, and it says, the plague had already begun to strike the people down, but Aaron burned the incense and purified the people. Watch this. Here's the, here's the picture, and it says, and he stood between the dead and the living. In other words, what happened was is, is basically the people started dying, and as Aaron ran where he was holding the incense, where the plague hit him, it stopped, and everybody in front of him was dead, and everyone behind him, everyone behind him was alive. And they stood between the dead and the living, right? And then it says this. It says that the plague had stopped, but 14,700 people died in the plague because Aaron was clearly not fast enough. In addition to those who had died in the affair involving Korah, Then because the plague had stopped, Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tabernacle. So here's what I want you to see, guys. That when we begin to intercede and pray for the things that are on this handout, what's happening is, guys, is we are standing between the dead and the living. What happens is is we are standing between the darkness and the light. We're standing, you know, chaos on one side, order on the other one. The problem, uh, once again, and the solution, we're standing between hopelessness and eternal, uh, eternal hope. We're standing in front of a crisis, and behind us, guess what? It's a miracle. And one side is sickness. The other side is health. We're standing between blessing and poverty. Uh, once again, the impossible and the possible. We're standing at what? That evil on one side and that which is good is behind us we're standing between that which is of the devil and what he wants to do and behind us is what the will of God I'm making sense and and thing is I want you to know today that listen as you begin to grab that thing and you begin to pray guess what just like Aaron one man one woman can make a difference when they begin to pray Amen? amen one person can make a difference 
Now, listen, I think it's important for us to understand here that uh, to grab a hold of the picture of this, what it looks like, literally, that you can actually see yourself standing in a position and have the confidence that you can make a difference. So that's the picture. Now let me show you the purpose of intercession. Let's look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel 23. It's kind of lengthy, but it says this. Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. In other words, here's this guy that's a prophet. And prophet is simply, it's a mouth. He's a guy that speaks for God. He hears from God and he tells the nation what's being said. So God is speaking to Ezekiel and he's saying, look, tell the Israelite nation this. So here's what he tells them. He says, in the day of my ignition, this is God talking, you will be like a polluted land, a land without rain. Here's why. Says your princes or your leadership plot conspiracy just as lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people. They seize treasures and exhorting wealth. They make many widows in the land. Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. Watch this. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. And they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath days so that I am dishonored among them. It says, your leaders are like wolves who tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for money. It says, and your prophets cover up for them by announcing false visions and making lying predictions. They say, my message is from the uh, sovereign Lord when the Lord already uh, hasn't already, sorry, when the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them. Even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy, and deprive foreigners of justice. In other words, let's pause for a minute, that God is simply saying, your land is messed up. And I think if we actually went and kind of looked at all that, we would find that the details may be a little different, but where we live isn't that different. Right? And, and, and so I want you to see today what was God's solution for the spiritual decay that was rotting the very foundation of Israel. He said this in verse 30. He said, I looked for someone who might rebuild the walls of righteousness that guard the land. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall, not a physical, but the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap. In other words, his solution for wickedness, his solution for what's messed up in the land was basically that intercessors would begin to pray. Yes? That was his solution, that there would be people that would come and stand in between him and stand between darkness, right? Now, now listen, it's important for us to understand when we read this scripture that in Bible times that cities were actually, uh, they had walls that were built around them, right? And those walls obviously defended them. They obviously protected them from any attacks of the enemy. But, but oftentimes through uh, just pure neglect, that they would neglect the walls or maybe that there was a previous attack that, that it would actually create uh, physical gaps in the walls. And uh, when those physical gaps remained and no one, uh, you know, uh, fix them, it would leave the people not only vulnerable, but also susceptible to other attacks, right? And I, I think it's important for us to understand that the same thing can be said for the spiritual walls that surround a region and surround a city, that, that when men and women of God neglect their duty of intercession, what happens is, is that too leaves the people around them, the people that live there, uh, exposed to spiritual attacks and strongholds of the enemy. 
Right? Because why? Because there's holes in the spiritual wall. So in the same way, you know, if you've been walking with the Lord a while and you found Nehemiah, uh, basically in the same way God called Nehemiah to physically stand in the gap to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, literally with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand. And here in Ezekiel, he is sending out a call, what, for well-armed intercessions that are what? That are prayerfully and fearfully, fearfully willing to stand in the gap and do what? To simply fight off the enemy. But not only fight off the enemy, but also to, uh, to rebuild the spiritual walls of righteousness in the region yes so listen this explains and I actually I like this a lot this explains why the why the uh, Hebrew verb for intercession uh, also means this of that that the Hebrew verb for intercession verb for intercession sometimes refers to falling on someone in battle to meet up with the enemy with hostile intent I love that so, so grab a hold of this game that when you and I actually go to prayer, right, and we stand between basically God and the enemy, guess what? We are actually falling upon the enemy in battle, right? And, and I love the fact that, that Jesus said this. He said, and, and you've read it before, but the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Right, and so, so kind of what I want you to see today, when it comes to intercession, man, intercession is not, uh, you, you know, this cute little thing that we're going to go have a nice little talk with Jesus. You know, so often our, our prayer lives, so I'm not knocking, I'm glad you pray, but, but our prayer lives are really centered around, let's grab our cup of coffee and let us read our devotion and, and let's pray. I'm good. I'm happy that you're doing that. But somewhere along the line, you, you, you have to go from that position to taking the position of an intercessor and fighting for the region. Right? Because uh, the devil is not scared of our little devotion times. Yes? So... When we talk about intercession, intercession, guys, we're talking about basically spiritual warfare. This is where spiritual warfare takes place. This is where we, we uh, roll up our spiritual sleeves and we pull, uh, you know, out our sword. We dig in our heels a little bit deeper. and We're willing to stand in the gap and take our post there in the gap and do what? Intercede. Fight. Right? And how do we fight? It's called this. We, we, we begin to pray for people who are unable and unwilling to pray for themselves. Right, And it's in this mode that, guess what, that we begin to fight against the unrighteousness that's coming into our region. Yeah? yeah? Like, I'll, like, I'll give you one. The, the, the fact that, that they're right now trying to pass that, that mine and your uh, tax money can go to, for people to have abortion. That's tearing down the walls of unrighteousness. Or righteousness, Sorry. Right, and so there's this kind of this idea here that, um, that I want us to grab today, and this might sound strong, but um, being nice to people, I'm trying to figure out how I can say this in a nice way. <laughs> um, being nice to people and inviting people to church occasionally, and then, you, you know, doing what? Uh, occasionally just saying, hey, God loves you, I'll pray for you. Guys, that doesn't rebuild the walls. Right? That's a nice gesture, and we appreciate that you're showing the love of Jesus to people. But, but the solution that God has, it's intercession. It's not being nice to people. Because, listen, last time I checked, someone that doesn't know God can be nice. Right? And the last time I checked, there's plenty of people who don't walk with God that attend church. Right? And so, and so uh, that really doesn't mean much. We, we, we live, when I've said this to him, blue in the face, but, man, we live in a really, really dark region. And, and just because there's not, um, you know, murders happening every day doesn't mean it's not dark. Just because people say, oh, it's a great place to raise kids, it doesn't mean it's not dark. 
You, you, you know, it doesn't, you know, we, our sin may be different, but I'll tell you the sin of pride is greater than any of them. And, and the pride that's in our region that says, I don't need God is a stronghold. Right? And so, so listen, I'm just crazy enough to think this, that in Hebrews 7.25, that when Jesus said this, or God said about Jesus, he said that he lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf with God. That, that I'm just crazy enough to believe that, listen, that when I bow down, where I stand, however you want to word it, when I begin to pray and I begin to ask for the Father to come help, right, our region with his grace, with his mercy, with his forgiveness, with his power, all that, that that, that, that would come and fall in our region, that, that his glory would begin to cover this region. Guess what? I just believe that Jesus comes and he kneels beside me and he begins to pray with me. Right. And, and so I just personally believe that if you, you know, if you will, if you get this picture that as I stand in the gap and fight, man, it's not Quentin. Truth is, is I'm just sitting there. I'm doing my karate moves. Right. Whatever. And, and Jesus is just kicking butt and his angels are doing things. And I and I'm just, I, you know, whatever. I might as well be holding a Wii controller swinging. Right. Am I making sense? So let me show you a promise that we have from God. He said this. He said that as we're, as we're faithful in interceding that he would do this in Second Chronicles 7, 14. We either believe this or we don't. But he said this. He said, if my people, that's us, right, yes. who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So there's holiness on our part, right? He says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I, I say that because this, I think it's easy. Watch this. Some of y'all go, man, I've been here for 40 years and ain't nothing changed. What's the promise? Either we believe it or we don't, right? And the truth is, is if we don't believe it, we'll never engage with it. Yeah? So watch what happens when he said this. He said this in Isaiah 58. Uh, last year when we were on our fast, this scripture came to life for me. God said some pretty profound things to me out of this. But I want you to see what happens when we intercede and we add fasting in the mix of it, what God said he'll do. And I'm kind of pulling certain pieces out so we can just kind of stay focused. Go read the whole context of it. But, but God said this. He says, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Watch this. If, we think, if we're thinking that fasting is just going to be some cute little thing where we lose some weight, we're missing the point. Because he didn't say anything about losing weight right there. He said that when we fast, that's what he wants to do. That he wants to loose the bonds of wickedness. He wants to break the yokes. And he wants to set the oppressed free. Amen? And then he said this about us as we do that. He said, then your light will break out like the dawn. Your healing will spring forth speedily. Now, that might not sound much, but listen, when you live in a dark place and light starts to shine, it makes a big difference. And he says, and your righteousness will go before you. I think we're trying to rebuild that wall, aren't we? He says, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. It says, then your light will rise in darkness. The Lord will guide you continuously and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. Now watch this. Last year when we were praying, I realized this is what, in fact, I'll just stop for a minute. I began to ask the Lord last year while we were praying. I said, Lord, what's the purpose of our church? Really, why are we here? Why? Right? Why? Why? Even in that, even in this sense, I said, God, why did you bring me 
this southern boy all the way up here. God, why am I here? What's the point? Right? Because sometimes you can get discouraged. Yeah? And I said, Lord, why am I here? And, and, and I was literally praying, and he told me to go read this. This is why we are here, church. You will raise up the foundation of many generations, and you will be called repairs of the breach, restores of the streets to dwell in. That is why our church exists. Amen. Um, listen, as good as that is, that doesn't automatically happen. <laughs> yes, it takes us to partner with God. Yeah. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to give you actually eight uh, traits, eight qualities of what an intercessor uh, looks like, the heart of an intercessor. Let me say this. There's, some folks may disagree with me on this, and, and that's okay. Um, I'm not always right, so it's all right. But um, I, I don't, I haven't found in the Bible, and I could be wrong, and I give anybody permission to, to show me where I'm missing this, okay? Uh, but I, but I, don't, I, don't, I haven't found, at least in the Bible, uh, a spot where it says that there's a gift to intercede. In other words, I think that just as God's people, we're all called to intercession, okay? And I may be missing something. If I am, somebody shows me, I'll come back and I'll correct myself next week. Um, but, but, but I think that we all, we, we all have it. And I think sometimes what we do is we, is we designate this calling to a few people. And it doesn't mean that there's people that, uh, that God doesn't lead them there more often than others. But, but, but I do think that we all have the ability to intercede. Okay? And so, so if we're going to do this, what kind of heart do we need? Number one is this, and this is maybe the foundation of it. But we've got to be unselfish. We've got to be unselfish. Now, why do I say that? Because... Because this, I think some, so often when we pray, it's just really easy to get it called up in praying for ourselves. Has that ever been to anybody? Yeah. Listen, there's been, there have been times I've been praying, the Lord's almost like, okay, that's enough about you. Now let's pray about something else, right? And so, but I think it's easy to get called up and we spend a majority of our time asking God to help us and to uh, give us the things that we need. And we never really... Uh, you know, we, we, we're so selfish, we don't ever really get beyond that. But I think if we're going to step in this thing called intercession, it's important for us to understand that if we're going to stand in the gap, if we're going to be repairs of the breach, then we're going to have to lay down our own burdens and be willing to pick up somebody else's. All right, so number two, we're going to go through these pretty quick. Number two, the heart of an intercessor is this, is they're willing. And you can kind of add on there if you're taking notes, they're willing to carry a burden. They're willing to carry the weight. See, there's this idea that first intercession begins in the heart of God. Yeah? That it begins in the heart of God. And, and what happens is, is, is if it begins in the heart of God, then it requires us to listen. And, and as we come and as we begin to pray and we begin to listen, what will happen is when our heart's really willing, is God will begin to share his burdens with us. In other words, he'll begin to put an impression on our hearts, and he'll begin to give us ideas. And, and what happens is, is at that moment, it's God inviting us to carry what the weight and to carry the burden that he feels for a situation. Yeah? So, listen, with that said, I think it's important for us to understand that, listen, God's not going to come. He's not going to force some burden on you. He's simply going to gently press it on your heart, and then he's going to leave it up to you to choose to partner with him or not. All right? And so if I can maybe encourage you guys in this, that uh, yes, this requires us to hear. Yes, it requires us to obey. But, but when you're praying, don't, don't brush off impressions that you get. 
Okay, when God brings a person to you, or maybe there's a, uh, you, you know, uh, the word uh, abortion, the word suicide, the word intellectual, whatever it is, comes across your mind, don't just brush that off. Understand that God's speaking to you and pray. Yes? In other words, stop doing what you're doing and go where the Lord's moving. Yeah, so, you know, just a, a real simple quote there, but it's, it's more fun to pray with God than merely to pray to Him. It's more fun to pray with God than it is to pray to him. I can assure you that. Number three, the third trait is this, is that they are faithful and they're full of faith. Now, this is important here, okay, because I think what happens is is we don't realize uh, how big the word trust is with God. Everybody please hear this. We don't understand how big the word trust is with God. In other words, he's saying this. If you're, if you're faithful, then yes, you're consistent in your prayer life. But what happens in your consistency, God will begin to see that he can trust you. And if you have the wisdom about you not to run off and tell everybody what he said to you, then he can trust you more. Right? So often, guys, listen to me. So often we make mistakes, and what happens is, is if the Lord says something, we have to run and tell somebody like it's a spiritual badge. But that's not why he tells us. Right? And I just think that, that if, we can, if we know how to keep the secrets of the Lord, right, then, then he can trust us with it more. If, if, and this may sound so silly, but if I told Noah something, and I find out that the next Sunday I come to church that Noah told all y'all, I'm probably not going to tell Noah something again, right? The, the, the verse that's kind of come to my mind is this, is, is I, I don't know the address, but it simply says this, oh, so you had to show uh, everything that was in the king's chamber, right? So with that said, I think it's this, and, and this is um, when it comes to the uh, being full of faith part. Man, why, why do we intercede if we actually don't believe something can happen? If something can change, kind of what's the point, right? And, and listen, we, we, when we pray, we might not be able to change the person that we're praying for, but we're praying to the God who can change them. And so in our prayers, what's happening is, is we're, we're removing the, uh, the clutter, if you will. We're removing, uh, we're, we're plowing the ground, whatever. So when the seed falls, that thing can actually be received in an open heart and it can actually produce something, Right? That's why the most important thing that happens in this church, which is the least attended thing in this church, is prayer. It's Monday night prayer and the Sunday morning prayer. And that's because if that doesn't happen, we might as well go home. Right? We might as well go to battle and fight naked. And I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to fight naked. <laughs> right? Waking you up. All right. So, um, let me maybe say this to you. I, you know, this, maybe before I even understood all this, I remember the first few years I was saved. You know, I, had, I have a mom that, um, man, she's tougher than an old rubber boot, right? She's, she's a strong woman, tough, tough gal. She's here in a few weeks, so don't tell her I said that. But anyway, so, um, but, but I, remember, I remember praying for her as a young man, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. For years I would pray for her because she didn't know God. Uh, you know, you, you said Jesus, and it was like turning the light on and watching cockroaches scatter, right? Jesus, poof, there goes mom, right? She can, if you want her out of the room, just Jesus. Anyway, so, uh, but I remember praying, and, and, and like in my mind's eye, I would imagine this brick wall. And I think I've told you this before. And, and as I prayed, I imagined taking a brick off, taking a brick off. And I imagine as she was on the other side sinning, she was adding a brick, adding a brick. And I'm pulling it off, and I'm pulling it off. And, I, and we're like in this, you, either you're going to out-sin or I'm going to out-pray you, one of the two, right? It's a competition. And uh, because to me, it was that wall of separation that divided her between God. 
And I was going to do my best to pray and brick by brick remove that thing so God could get to her heart. Now, thankfully, today, she's not the woman I grew up with because she got saved. So you're going to, so you're going to get the better version, and uh, she's going to be sweet to you. I didn't grow up with that woman. So <laughs> occasional tick. I got it from her. All right, anyway, so yeah, I've been slapped inside the head too many times. All right, number four. Here we go. So the fourth trait of a person uh, that is an intercessor is that this. They love mercy. And, you know, the first thing that my mind goes to in that is I, I think about John and James when John and James asked Jesus if they could call down fire from heaven. <laughs> and he's like, sons of thunder. <laughs> Chill out. Calm down, right? And, and here's the thing. That, that in intercession, I think oftentimes we, we misjudge the heart of God in situations. We want the wrath of God to come on people. And we forget that as we intercede that what? That mercy triumphs over judgment. That, that the Bible literally says that God is a merciful God and we are never more like God when we extend mercy. Now, now listen, there have been times where I have prayed and I've asked God. Like I lived in a military town. Pastor Brian lived in a military town. Several of us here that lived in Fayetteville. And we had friends that were off to war. And we prayed daily for those guys. And uh, as a church, we, we played, prayed very regularly for them. And I remember praying one specific thing uh, with a certain guy in mind. It was uh, Kelly Cole for you guys that know him. I remember praying that their RPGs, rocket propelled grenades, would not, uh, would not make contact, right? Pray that literally that if, if, if they shot them at our guys, that they would not work. And Kelly came back from, uh, from war. Kelly is a, uh, he's, uh, I think, lieutenant colonel now or something. He's retired now. But anyway, so he was actually standing beside the mess hall, and they were at a FOB, Forward Operation Base, and they shot a, an RPG over, and it hit the wall right in front of him and fell on the ground and didn't go off. But I felt, listen, for not, not just me. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people praying. I'm not, I'm not chalking that off for me. But, but I thought it was so incredible that the, the direct words that I used praying for God, that it happened, right? And, uh, you, you know, one of our guys came back from, from being over there, and he was in a convoy. And he basically got out, literally uh, held the people up and prayed over his vehicle, okay? And said, so, wait a second. He prayed, prayed the word, Psalm 91, God protect us, right? And so Psalm 91 is uh, basically a soldier's psalm is what they call it. And so they hopped in their truck, and they're driving down. There's a big long line of them, and they get in a firefight, and they get shot to pieces, right? And uh, it's really, really tough firefight. And they get back to their base, and he gets out of the car, and not one bullet hit his vehicle. Where everybody else is looking like Swiss cheese. And the next time they went out, if you don't think that folks noticed, the guy, the commanding officer said, before we leave today, hold it up. That man is going to pray over every vehicle we got. Yeah? So, but, but that is, that is uh, that's, that's intercession. It's standing in between, right? Those who are standing for righteousness and those who are standing for evil, yes? And so, anyways, but at the same time, let me say this. Not only do we pray... Yeah, God, let those folks fall in their own trap. But we also ask God for their souls. And, and I think it's pretty incredible that if you actually go and, and uh, read stories about Muslims, there is, man, thousands of Muslims that were extremely dedicated to Allah that have had Jesus show up on their front door, per se, and Jesus has revealed himself to them, and they've gotten born again. And so, so we can't miss uh, the, the part of God. God created every one of those people in his image. He has a plan for their life. They're his sons and daughters just as much as we are. And so we can either sit back and we can hate them or we can say, God, save them. Right? 
All right, number five. The fifth characteristic is this, is, man, it's courageous. And I just think, really simple, listen, as we intercede on behalf of others, uh, we got to be willing to come boldly before the throne of grace to contend for those that we're praying for. And, and you know, a great example of that is if you look at Moses, God said, I'm going to do this, and Moses stood in the gap and, and literally contended for the people that hated him. Yeah, and God, and literally, there's a spot in the Bible where, where God was going to bring destruction, and Moses said, please don't. And he said, because you asked me, I won't. Because you interceded, right? And so, you know, I think this, and this may sound so silly, but intercession's not really for the faint of heart. It's really not. L- listen, if you're looking for a good little sweet time with Jesus, intercession's not for you. So if you're, going to, if you're going to intercede on the behalf of, of uh, you know, whatever, lost people or a region, then there's going to be a fight on your hand. Okay, the enemy is not going to roll over and play dead and say, okay, you can, you can have them. It, you're, you're, going to get, you're going to get in a fight, right? And, and don't, you know, don't expect like things aren't going to happen, right, and that you're like dog. Because there's a, uh, I, you know, I think if I could say this, that Something in the church that we maybe miss sometimes is we get too caught up in what we can see in the natural. And we forget that there's another realm that's happening. And we get so caught up in what we can see that we forget that there's really a spiritual warfare where we're fighting not against flesh and blood, right? Uh, But that realm is when we're going to spend eternity in. It's way more real than this one, right? And so, anyways, you get it. Number six, here we go. Is a person, a trait of a person, a heart of an intercessor, is they know their authority, in other words, is that the intercessor doesn't stand in the gap afraid, right? They stand there with authority. And here's what I mean by this is the point that I want to make, and we're going to do this at the end of today's service, but there, comes a, there becomes a shift where we go from praying and asking God for things, and then we actually take our authority and we begin to declare what God has said. Are you all with me? So often we just pray and we just stay in that asking zone, but the Bible actually says to decree what the Lord has or declare what the Lord has decreed. If I said that right. Right? And so in other words, that you literally stand up and in essence you release over the region and you begin to declare what God has said. Right? And so that's where you step into your authority and your boldness. And, and once again, the cool part is not because, you know, I got some words. It's simply because God's agreeing with me. Let, let, let me, let me kind of help you all out. Another mistake we make in the church is this. A, a very wrong doctrine in my opinion. I typically don't go here with things. But, but the doctrine that basically says that God is sovereign and what will be will be is wrong. Okay, watch this. Is God sovereign? Yes. But in his sovereignty, he chose to partner with us. And so what's the point of praying if nothing changes? Right? And so here's the God that's all powerful, that's all knowing. And yet he still said, hey, look, whatever you ask, guess what? I'll do it. He, 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 there was an exchange there. They said, look, I, in other words, I so long for a relationship with you. I want to do this with you. I want to rule and reign this kingdom with you. And so I want you to be a part. And so, you know, I've met, I remember meeting a pastor here locally. I don't think they're here anymore. But they literally said, you know, hey, kind of what's the point of praying? God's sovereign. That goes against such large portions of the Bible, it's incredible, right? And, and so if, if we're sitting back and if we think something happens to our family, that we got to sit back and take it like a pinata, you're wrong, right? What's the, what's the point of, listen to me, why did he give you a sword if you can't use it? Right? You, look, some of us, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Look, I'm from, I'm from Alabama. I'm from a straight redneck state, right? 
And everybody makes fun of my redneck state, but man, Maine is the redneck state of New England. <laughs> All right? Y'all bearing witness. Y'all like, that's me. <laughs> Listen, there, there, there's like one trait about rednecks. We like guns. Right? So, so why have a gun if you don't use it? Right? And, and so why have that firepower, that authority, if you will, and you don't use it? Right? I, you know, I sit in my house, and I don't know why, but, man, my, I got some neighbors down the hollow, right, that they, they like shooting guns at some awkward times, right? I'm like, bro, I'm trying to sleep or, you know, whatever. It's a little too late. And they're just having fun, right, which is fun. I get it. But, but man, what's the point of having all that if we don't use it? So what's the point of God giving you authority and, and giving you a sword if you don't use it, Right? Yeah? Y'all look at me. Some of y'all look at me like you're mad because you hate guns, but that's all right. <coughs> you're not a redneck. All right, here we go. So, but, but, but I'll say this. Next one here. We'll move here. Uh, number seven is that they embrace solitude. They embrace solitude. And I say this because of this, because if you're really going to be a person of intercession, then you're going to learn real quick that the prayer closet is a lonely place. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of people that will not understand what you're doing. And, and if you're going to be a person of prayer, y'all please hear me. Don't expect an applause. <laughs> right? And, and so, you know, Jesus went off in solitude and he prayed a lot. And, and that's the thing, you know, once again, I, I, I would like to see us get in a spot where there's a humility about what we do. You know what I'm saying? We're not doing things because we're looking for a pat on the back. We're just doing things because God put it and pressed it on our hearts. Yeah? And so, anyways, there's this idea that if we're going to come closer to God, that if we're going to uh, partner with God, then we're going to have to move further away from people. It just happens, right? And, uh, and so there's, there's an essence. And let me, let me say this. And I love you. My wife's telling me what to say, and I'm, I'm just... <laughs> She, she wants you to know that there's times of that, which is true, all right? So they shouldn't make pastor's wife sit on the back row. I'm telling you, it's just like make them. It's all right. So I love you. You're awesome. Now I forgot what I was going to say. All right, number eight. Here we go. Uh, and this is key. This is kind of like the bookend. The first one's unselfish. This is the bookend to this thing. That an intercessor knows how to push. And a lot of us know what push means. It means pray until something happens. Right? And, and I think that's, I, I like those people that are like bulldogs, snapping turtles in the prayer closet. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a snapping turtle, but, you know, in the South, they say if you, you know, because there's snapping turtles all over the place. That if you're walking through a creek and a snapping turtle latches onto you, the myth there is that thing will not let go until it thunders. I don't know what that means. It probably isn't right, right? But, but uh, you know, I think I chopped that thing's head off before it thundered. Anyways, but <laughs> redneck got my gun. I chewed it. Anyway, so, but, but I think this, that the heart of an intercessor is, man, the heart of an intercessor knows how to do this and knows how to persevere, Right, and, and what I mean by that is it knows how to pray to latch onto something and not let go of something, either until something changes or God releases the burden or releases them from the assignment. Right, and we got a couple of people in this church, and I love those people. Uh, I love the fact that they'll pray and pray and pray and pray and pray until something shifts. So let me kind of give you a few extra thoughts here, 
and, and will be done. Give me, give me a few. Well, we're going to go over today. Just give me a second. So here, here's a little tip, okay? When we go pray, because all of us should be praying, right? Bre- breathing, uh, prayer should be as natural as breathing to us, right? And so when we go and we pray, after you kind of get centered in on God, I want to encourage you guys to simply do this. Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to pray about today? And wait, right? I mean, this is so key. It's so simple. But listen, if you're going to partner with God, then you need to find out what's on the heart of God, right? And, and, and you know, there's going to be days. Listen, there's going to be days that he's going to say, um, he's going to say, hey, just, um, you know, just go on and pray. And then there's going to be days where a name's going to come to you or a family's going to come to you, a certain issue's going to come to you, and pray. And watch this. Pray on that thing until you feel the anointing release on that. And then do this. Is there anything else? Pray on that. Is there anything else? And then, you, you know, um, I came in here, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and I asked the Lord that. And he blew me away by the things he wanted me to pray for and the people he wanted me to pray for. And, you know, and the truth is, is I came here because I wanted to pray about what I was going to preach. I needed Jesus to talk to me about a sermon, and it took us a long time to get to that thing. And he was finally like, okay, now you can pray about that. Right? Yes? Am I making sense to you guys? So, so I want to say this other thing, and, and I, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of hesitant to say this because I know we're all from different backgrounds here. Some of us are from more charismatic Pentecostals. Some of us are not. Uh, but but I, I, I need to say something today. Uh, for you folks, in case you, just to encourage you, all right, is Romans 8.26. There's been times where we pray in the Spirit, right? We pray, we're praying in our prayer language, and, and we'll go into what the Bible says right here in Romans 8.26. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself, talking about the Holy Spirit, intercedes for us with groaning that is too deep for words. In other words, listen to me, guys. There's times in intercession that you will be locked in and you'll be praying. You'll be praying in your, in your prayer language, and you will literally start groaning. And, and I, the only thing I can tell you is it's coming from the bottom of the well. And there's been times where I have travailed, wind and groanings, and I have no clue what I'm praying for. Don't have a clue, right? But, but, I, but I trust that, guess what? I didn't make that up, that, that clearly the Holy Spirit is wanting to partner with me at that moment and pray for things. And I know there's people in this room that you very much know what that's like. You, you know, for a story's sake, my older brother, who, um, I don't know, this was probably 15 years ago, uh, he got saved in a Southern Baptist church. Uh, he started going to church because him and his wife had a kid, and he felt like it was maybe the right thing to do to raise the kid in church. And they were so far from God, but yet they started showing up at church. And one Sunday, she went to the altar, and, and you know, this isn't a church that you go to the altar. This, this is a church you go to the altar to join the church, not to go meet with God. And I can say this because I got taken to this church some as a kid. Anyway, so so his wife, Crystal, went to the altar, and then, and my brother got up to go support his wife in the process. In the middle of the process, he ended up on his face, and he got rocked by Jesus, right? And he went home, and I remember he called me one day, and we were talking. He said, Quint, can you please tell me what happened to me? He said, he was, he said Crystal and their, and their now 16-year-old son were gone, and he was in the living room. He was praying, and he said, Quint, the only thing I can say, man, is I started groaning. 
and I was weeping and crying. I didn't have a clue what was going on. What happened to me? It's like, am I going nuts? <laughs> right? And, and what happened was, is the Holy Spirit began to partner with him, and he went into what the Bible says in Romans 8, not having a context, a clue, not ever coached into it, coached in it. Just the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he went there. Yeah? So let me close with this, and, and what we're going to do today is we're actually going to spend a few minutes, we're going to pray. All right, and, and what's the point of talking about all this if we don't do what it says, right? But, but I want to I close with uh, a few thoughts here. Going back to Ezekiel 22, it says this. He said, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. I looked for someone so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But look, notice the next part. But I found no one, therefore... He brought destruction. So, listen, going back to the top, very top, we, we, we read the story about Aaron, good old, old Aaron, right? Here's what's interesting about him. is out of the millions of people that lived basically in uh, the Israelites, he was the only person that could have uh, basically taken incense from the altar and ran into that crowd. Moses couldn't do it. He was the only one because he was the priest. And the reason I'm saying that to you is this, is guess what? Um, we're the only ones that can do this. And my prayer is that if God's looking for someone to rebuild the righteous walls in our region, um, that, that it's not going to be like what happened in Ezekiel 22, that, that he couldn't find anyone. Let it be different in our day, right, God? And, and so it's just this, this thought of this, that, that when we're praying, that we would maybe stop and ask ourselves, um, maybe I'm the only one that's praying for this. If everyone's only could do it, maybe I'm the only person that's interceding for my family. Maybe I'm the only person that's interceding for my lost friend. Maybe. What if I'm the only person that's praying for this situation? Instead of blowing it off, understand the responsibility that's there, right? And, and it's this thought that we can either stand in the gap or we can get in the way. Right? I read the Bible this morning myself. Jesus said, you're either with him or you're against him. And if you're not basically working the works that he's doing, then you're a hindrance. Right, So we can either stand in the gap or we can stand in the way of what God wants to do. And it's just really simple that we've got to ask ourselves, uh, man, if we won't stand up for our region, who else will? I, I mean, it is you know, silly, asinine to think that there's going to be somebody that lives in China that the Lord's going to lay on their heart to pray for our region. Maybe they do, but he put us here. For a purpose, right? Yeah. To pray for our region. And so that's what we're going to do today as we close. I want to ask you guys, you can, you can sit down and you stand up. It doesn't really matter. But, but it's this idea that as we pray today, I want you to think about this. There's a battle going on, and we are either taking ground or we're losing ground. It's really that simple. Look, there's loads of you in here that have military experience, and you know what that means in the natural realm. But listen, in the spiritual realm, once again, we're either taking ground or we're losing ground, and it's up to us. It's not up to somebody else. And my prayer is that if there's other churches that won't fight, then God will fight because we're repairs of the breach. Amen. Leah, can you come here? Roy, you come here. And uh, Angelo, come here. I, I'm going to ask, once again, kind of twofold here. For you guys that this is really foreign to, Watch and learn, okay? And, uh, and if you can come, kind of play some keys. And uh, I'm going to give the mic to these guys, and I don't really care who goes first, but we're just going to pray. Once again, I'll tell you what, y'all just stand up because y'all looking really comfortable. And, uh, and we're going to spend about 10 minutes here, and we're just going to pray, and we'll be done for the day. Thank you, Jesus. Father, this is the place... And we are your people. 
And we hunger for your righteousness to reign in this land. We hunger and thirst after righteousness to to reign in this land. But you told us when we were children, we acted like children. And we thought like children. But now you're telling us to put away the childish things and go after you and take our authority and release it and let the enemy know he has no place in, in this region, in this mid-coast region. This, this place is a, a light, a city that's set on a hill and that people will come here because they are searching for peace, the highest priced commodity in the world today is peace and they are coming and we will pray for those people to come that their hearts that they will hear the voice of the Lord in the land of the living and come here to this place we are calling them in for such a time as this that their hearts would be drawn here that they would walk through these doors and say I don't know why I'm here but I'm here because something's compelling me to come in So we pray that we have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. For you, Lord Jesus, ever live to make intercession for us in this hour. In this hour, you're interceding for us as we're interceding for those in our region to come to be a part of this body or to be a part of other churches in this region so that we can change the tide that's going on right now in our place, Lord God. You have raised us up for such a time as this. You've placed a calling on each and every one of our lives. And your gifts and callings, God, are without repentance. Every one of us, you have placed that authority. You've given us that authority. Show us. Show us how to use it. And we thank you that we are learning through prayer and fasting to take back what the enemy has stolen. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you that you are bringing in people, the lost, into this region, Lord God, into this place. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the hunger that you're placing on their lives. And we thank you for the different ministries that are being established here in this region, Lord God, for a a place for people to go to where they can come and, and feel your peace. Thank you, Lord. We call them in from the north. We call them in from the south. We call them in from the east. And we call them in from the west. We call them in, into this place, into this area, Lord God, to be filled. Because this is an area, this is a place, we are standing on holy ground. And we bless your name, Lord. We thank you again for what you are doing here at the Anchor. Father, we just thank you. And we believe that you are defeating the darkness in this region by releasing the hope and light of your gospel. We thank you that you are breaking down the strongholds of religion and intellectualism and independence and addiction and suicide. You are breaking the strongholds in the name of Jesus. We thank you that it's through your power and through your might and through your spirit that that is done. That we come into agreement and in participation with who you are and what you're doing. We become the Aaron and the Hur 
pillars that stand beside Moses and hold the the power of God up. The staff of God represents the power of God. And when that's held up, when the power of God is held high, we win. And so I thank you, Father, we become those intercessors that stand there and hold the power of God up, that give it the, 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 um, as Moses began to get weary, they stood beside him and they began to be the intercessors to bring victory. I thank you for that, Father. I thank you that your word says in Isaiah 58 that you will guide us continually. You will satisfy us in drought and in dry places, and you will make strong our bones. And we will be like watered gardens. We will be like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. We will not fail. And your ancient ruins will be rebuilt. We will raise up the foundations of buildings that have laid waste for many years. You have called us to rebuild, to restore, to bring those things up. We thank you, Father, that we will be called repairers of the breach, restorers of streets to dwell in. We thank you, Father, that that is who you have called us to be according to your word, that we say restore, restore to what the enemy has stolen, to what he has taken. In the name of Jesus, restore our own souls. Your word says that you restore our soul. Bring our mind, our emotions, and our will back into alignment with who you say that we are, with your word. And so we thank you, Father, you restore, beginning with us and our families and our community and our region. We are standing in the gap, standing in the gap. We thank you, Father, according to your word in Isaiah 45. It says, let fall in showers, you heavens from above. Let the skies rain down righteousness. This is the pure, the spiritual, the heaven-born possibilities that have their very foundation in the holy being of you. Let that righteousness, that pure, that spiritual, heaven-born possibilities fall out of heaven. Let the earth open. Let the earth and the sky sprout salvation and let righteousness germinate and spring up because you have created the heavens. You formed the earth. You established. You did not create it to be a worthless waste. Nothing you created is worthless. We thank you, Father, for releasing authentic revival that will draw in every generation every generation, young, old, and all in between. Thank you, Father, for calling them out. We stand in the gap and we declare your word that calls them out of darkness into your marvelous light. We call you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And we thank you, Father, that we know that as intercessors, We can't make the choices for people, but our intercession does put good choices and a path before them. And so we continue to pray that those choices are there before them. That path is laid out before them. And we invite your presence and your plans through our prayers into their lives. So we take the authority that you have given to us over all power of the enemy, according to your word in Luke. You have given us authority over all power of the enemy. And we stand in that authority and we pray in that authority and we believe no matter what we feel or see or hear, we thank you for the spiritual sight and the spiritual ears to see what you're seeing and hear what you're hearing. And we choose to receive that and then to speak out what you've spoken and to come into agreement with it in Jesus' name. Father, we declare a decree, as David said in Psalms 2, 
that which is written, that which you have said, that which you have revealed, we declare it. We declare today and right now that you're Lord, that you're King. We declare that you are victory. You have obtained the victory. We declare and decree, Father, that you're Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And that you are raising up an army. We declare, Lord, because you have revealed it. That these are the people that you have brought together as your family. That you're bringing them together, bringing us together in the unity of the faith. Under one Lord, for there's only one God. And I declare as an Ezekiel graveyard for the dry bones to hear the word of the Lord, to come up to the Lord your living God, to the throne of God in worship and prayer, to come together bone to bone, joint to joint, into the way that each of us have been called and equipped and gifted by the Lord, that each person would come together, Father, in the body of Christ, as God has said and decreed in Corinthians, that you have ordained, you have said in the body as it has pleased you, and that we could come together as one, Father, in the strength and power of the fullness of Jesus Christ. I declare that Christ is the head of every person here. I declare that this church will no longer be Uh, like sitting in concrete where the feet can't get out. But I declare the freedom of this church to rise up and to move forward. I declare that the worship will come to another level. I declare that the prophetic word, the declarations that Jen makes during worship as she did today about the fire, will see the visible fire come upon your people. That the declaration she's been making during worship, Lord, will become a reality because you are a reality. And when we prophesy that which you have decreed, it becomes a reality because it is finished so Father from the finished work of Jesus we make these declarations I declare there is no open ceiling I mean there, there is not a closed ceiling in this house I declare that there is an open ceiling I declare that the anointing upon PQ is increasing I declare that the love of the Father has come to his house and is bringing healing I declare that the word of wisdom is bringing restoration. And that I declare that the people have been hurt and wounded from churches in this area and from past issues and problems are now being restored. To rise up and become repairers of the breach. The warriors that have been hurt and wounded, that have fallen, to now rise up, become part of the living army of God. And that the Lord of hosts is in our midst. I declare, Father, restoration, redemption, and renewal because that's the heart of the Father. And I declare forgiveness, Father, that we would forgive one another as you have forgiven us. And I declare the mercy that you have for us, we would display to one another. And the compassion that you displayed to us because of the power of the cross, that that power of the cross, we would get a revelation of that. We declare what is finished and Jesus said because of the love of the Father that would be in us. And that we would love one another as God has loved us. I declare that this church is now rising into a heavenly place that has never been before. And that the past is gone. The past is gone. This is a new season. I declare a new day. And I declare a new way. The Lord's way. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.